This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Voices of Misery podcast. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check it out. On with the show. What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of the Voice of Misery podcast. You guys know that I'm very excited to have this next guest on the show because I cannot shut up about the world, COVID, how much I hate everything that's going on right now. You guys know I make a fool out of myself a lot. So when I do make a fool out of myself, I have an expert come on the show and I have the smartest person to ever come on the show. She has a PhD, goddammit. I don't know why she's on this show, but I'm very happy she agreed to come on to educate me and you about everything COVID, everything that's going on in the world. Her name is Jennifer and, uh, I just want to say thank you first for coming on the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into all these topics, I want to ask you, uh, just kind of give people a brief description of your background. Just give a little bit of history about what you're all about, your experience. So I'm an investigative health journalist, and uh, I, yeah, I've been researching and writing about issues related to health and especially children's health, but also women's health and also health in general for over 20 years now, actually, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> my background is in research. I did my undergraduate degree at Cornell University. University. I did a master's degree at UC Berkeley, and I have a PhD from Emory University. But my, my three degrees are all in the humanities. So what I learned was how to do a lot of research, how to do a lot of deep diving, and I spend a lot of time doing that. I've also written eight books, um, written or co-written or edited or co-edited, I should say. And I'm at work on my ninth book right now, which is under contract with Mariner, um, which used to be called Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, but they just changed their name. That's incredible. Eight books on your ninth book now. So you do a lot of research on everything. So obviously you're, you're, you're very in the know. You're very knowledgeable about what's going on. I want to ask you this question because a lot of people out there are just throwing out all sorts of ideas, all sorts of takes online, no matter where you go. So I'm happy you came on the show because you can give me an expert take. What do you think about everything that's going on? Just, just, I'm just going to throw it out there about everything that's going on in the world right now. People fighting each other. No one knows what's going on. What is your take? That was a really open-ended question. Um, so how much time do you have? About four or five hours, maybe? Oh, geez. <laughs> Um, you know, things are, we're in a really hard moment in history. We're in a really fascinating moment in history, but things are hard. I, I was glad to hear you say that, you know, get, that you've been frustrated because I think that's a feeling that's shared probably from, by everybody. We have been constantly bombarded with information nonstop for a year and a half now, basically that we're on the edge of our seats and that we're all going to die. And instead of giving us a way forward and telling us what the best practices are and all the things that we could do to actually really support our good health and keep living our lives, we've been told to stay home, shut down, put a muzzle on your face, aka a mask, make sure that you've gotten vaccinated, don't hug your parents or your grandparents, don't expose other people, 
I literally had a friend come to the door yesterday in tears. And she said, I want to see my mom. I haven't seen her in two more than two years. And she said, but I'm just so afraid of getting her sick. And what I said to my friend, which should be common sense, but it's not, is, you know, healthy people don't make healthy people sick. So this idea that you are a walking vector of disease, no matter what your health status, no matter what your previous history, no matter what you're eating, what your lifestyle, you, Mr. Nerd, are a walking vector of disease. And that if you come close to me, I better flinch away and run in the other direction because you might hurt me is a very anti-human, anti-health sentiment, but it's what we've been given by the public health authorities. And, you know, you can push a lot of people's buttons when you talk about this stuff honestly and openly, because we're going to talk about things that you're not hearing in the mainstream media. But what you have to do is you have to look at our outcomes. You have to look at what our recommendations have been whether or not we followed them, and then what kind of outcomes we're seeing. And one thing that we can probably all agree on is that we have some of the worst health outcomes in the United States. Now, that has been true for a long time, that we spend more money per capita than any country in the world. In fact, more money than 13 other industrialized countries combined. That was information that was done in an incredible investigation called like the bitter pill that was published on the cover of Newsweek and then was made into a excellent book by the same name. So we spend a huge amount of money on health care and we don't have great outcomes. So then fast forward, that's, you know, that has been true for a while and it's something to talk about, but now fast forward to this whole COVID epidemic, you know, there are these headlines this week that 625,000 people in America have died of COVID, that one in every 500 Americans is dying of COVID. And how interesting is that? Because Americans have, for the most part, been completely compliant. We've basically followed absolutely everything that we've been told to do by two different administrations. And then we have seen that we're having terrible results. So I'm as frustrated as you are. I think that any thinking person is frustrated. I think that we're living in fear in a way that is actually not healthy for our immune systems or for our mental or physical well-being. And I think we've got to make some changes. Now, what makes you the most frustrated? Because for me, it's the mixed messaging and it's the fact that people bought into this and they're still buying into this. They've effectively turned people against each other. And I like the fact that you said that I'm a vector of germs. You're a vector of germs. If I see you in the store, I'm supposed to arm's length. I can't even look at you. We, we can't even be in the same building. We can't even touch each other. We can't talk. We can't do anything without a mask on. And it's insane. And the thing is, is you're, you're right about the cases going up and more people are vaccinated than last year. We didn't have a vaccine last year. What the heck is going on? It doesn't well, make so, any sense. Yeah, no, we have new data from Johns Hopkins University, which is, you know, one of the most prestigious medical uh, schools in the country. Johns Hopkins does excellent research. And there is new data now that they're saying that our cases are up 300 percent. So we also have a majority of people who have decided to get vaccinated and it's it's been a fascinating situation because I know I, I've seen this on both sides. I've seen people who have never in their lives questioned a single vaccine. They've always done them and they've really felt incredibly grateful for them going back and doing a deep dive into the research and into the literature, the scientific literature, and actually deciding that this one is one that they're ready to say no thank you to. And then I've seen the opposite. I've seen people who have 
always thought that there was something a little bit wrong with our vaccine schedule, and hopefully we'll have time to talk about that a little bit, um, but, and who have made judicious choices about vaccines, or perhaps they've even decided not to do any vaccines for their kids who have kind of run to be first in line to get the COVID vaccine. And what's interesting is that they told us, we can say it this way, can't we? They told us, let's all get vaccinated, and then the numbers will drop. So if everybody gets vaccinated, this the arrow goes towards the sky, then the numbers will go down. Well, everybody has done that. They've run to get the vaccine and the numbers have gone skyrocketing. So something's going wrong. Either we're not getting accurate information, which we are not getting. We don't have accurate denominators. We don't know exactly how many people have actually died from COVID versus died with COVID. And it's interesting because we tend to actually elevate those numbers. So we don't have accurate numbers, but we know, even though we don't have accurate data, that when we follow public health, which has actually been a theme in the United States in the last 25 years, when we follow the public health recommendations, we tend to get sicker, more tired, more afraid, more isolated, and more depressed. So when I look at that, it makes me think that it's time to stop following the public health recommendations and start putting our brains back into our skulls and using them to find a good way forward. I don't see a way out of this. And the reason why I say that is because my daughter goes to school and if, if a kid even sneezes, they get sent home. They get sent home. They have to quarantine for 14 days, no checks, no COVID tests or anything like that. They have to go home. It's just, it's just like zero tolerance policy. So my question to you is like, how do we ever get out of this? We're always in a, you know, you, you can't even sneeze. You can't cough. You can't do anything. It's COVID and every single symptom is COVID. I remember in the beginning, it's like, okay, if you lose your taste and smell, it's COVID. Okay, I'm okay with that. But then it became, if you get diarrhea, you get a runny nose, you get this. And I'm like, wait, that's literally everything. And then the freaking flu disappeared. What happened to the flu? Can you answer that question? You're smart. I would love to talk about that. I mean, what's interesting is, so, you know, there is, uh, unfortunately, we have a system that is predicated on sickness. So the sicker that your daughter is, the sicker you are, the sicker my kids are, the sicker I am, the more money is made off of our system. And that's, you know, that's a maybe another conversation, but that's a difficult truth to swallow. So, so anytime, so, so we have sort of, uh, the bias is towards getting sick and making people sick. So we used to say that 80,000 people a year, we said, were dying from the flu. But last year, what was the number? It was like 1,200 or something. I mean, the cases were zero. They basically, the CDC said, we're, the CDC said, we're no longer counting the flu. So the flu disappeared. And, you know, what happened was, and, and by the way, that number, which I always suspected was not accurate, um, included people who have ILIs, that's influenza-like illnesses, and included people who died from pneumonia. So from whatever cause, every single cause of pneumonia, and of course, pneumonia can be bacterial, it can be viral, it can be caused by many different pathogens. And we all, we, we lumped all of that into the flu. And part of the reason that we did that is so that we could really push the flu vaccine. Let's get the flu vaccine every single year. And of all the vaccines before covid the flu vaccine was one of the most problematic. And the reason why I say that is because the efficacy rate is absolutely wild. It would vary so much from year to year. And there have been years where the flu efficacy rate has been like 35%. So public health says, oh, you get it. It'll give you a little bit of protection. With a 35% efficacy rate, could you imagine if that was your wife's birth control? God, I have a whole army of kids in there. <laughs> you would. You'd have a lot more kids getting exactly. sent home with a sneeze. Mm-hmm. So, so 
part of that, you know, is so disingenuous that we just stopped counting the flu as if it didn't exist. We stopped counting everything else. I mean, people are no longer falling off ladders. They're no longer getting into motorcycle accidents. They're no longer having heart illnesses. Everything has been lumped into COVID. And part of the reason for this, um, I almost want to call it a disinformation campaign because that's what it feels like to me. I feel like the mainstream media has been very actively spreading disinformation. I don't think that most people who are doing that are doing it with malicious intent. I don't even think that they realize what they're doing. Like, you have this beautiful background, you and I can see each other, but your listeners can't see us. You know, you've got those waves going in the background of your of our call. And I, you know, a fish can't see the water that it's swimming in. So I, 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 there is some very malicious intent going on. But I think the majority of people who are following along are actually following along because they truly believe that what they're doing and what they're saying is correct, even though they're having a little trouble seeing because they're swimming in that water. They're like fish in the water that they can't see for swimming in it. But you know, but when we when we artificially uh, struck fear into the hearts of everyone, and, and and I'm not saying that there aren't things to be afraid of, and I'm also not saying that COVID can't be incredibly serious and difficult for some people. It absolutely can, and and I've seen that both anecdotally, meaning with my friends, and also I would not with my family. I actually have experience with that as well. Um, but I've seen friends get really hit hard by something that looked like COVID and they tested positive for COVID. And also by looking at the literature, the scientific research that's been done on this so far. But the thing is, is that when we artificially struck fear into the hearts of every human on the planet, but especially every human in America, what we did is we gave them a huge problem. We told them they were all going to die. And then we had one solution and one solution only. And that solution was a vaccine. And we could not find effective treatments, talk about them or promote them in any way, shape or form, because if we had effective treatments for COVID that we could have uncovered early on, then we would not have gotten authorization. These huge pharmaceutical companies would not have been authorized under the emergency use authorization to to create a vaccine in warp speed, in breakneck time, and then get a needle into the arm of every human on the planet. And that was the goal. And it's been working exponentially. I mean, you probably remember that in the first quarter alone, Pfizer, they were the first to come out with this vaccine, the mRNA vaccine. They made a $3.1 billion profit in the first quarter of this year. And, you know, that's we're talking about a CEO whose salary went crazy. It's what was it? It was $21 million. He got paid last year. Um, you know, so the profit motive behind this is cannot be overstated. It's ridiculous, but I do have to disagree with you on one thing. And I do feel like the media is in on it because the thing is this, I mean, I don't know if you remember this. I I know some of my listeners do, because we talk about this, we have a discord channel where we kind of, you know, bounce ideas back and forth on this. And, uh, I remember Joe Biden and Kamala Harris came out and, and, and Andrew Cuomo and a bunch of them came out and said, I will not take or trust a vaccine that comes out under the Trump administration. The media was saying the same thing. All of a sudden, fast forward till January, whatever it was, 12th or whenever Joe Biden came and he became the president, all of a sudden this vaccine's safe and everyone's in on it. So I'm, I was never a conspiracy guy. I never believed in conspiracy. I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in, in, in aliens taking over. I don't believe in Hillary Clinton's sex pizza shop in New York, whatever they're saying is going on. I don't believe in any of that. But this is just way too fishy. And now I am full on in conspiracy mode with this vaccine. 
I feel like there's this email chain that comes from the top and they send it to MSNBC, CNN, and they all have the same talking points because they, they always say the same things. They're all parroting the same information. Why do we have to take this vaccine? Why do we have to take it? It makes no sense. But what you're saying, nerd, is not a conspiracy. What you're saying is actual, factual, verifiable information, meaning that there is... It was canceled. So, so I'm a member of the media, right? I'm a journalist, and I can tell you and your listeners that journalists lie, and the media makes things up. And how are most stories written? See, this is what people don't know. They don't understand this. But most of the time, the way that journalists get their ideas is that they get what's called a press release. A press release is a very well-crafted document. It's the email that you're talking about that not only has sources in it. Have you ever noticed that the same sources get quoted in many, many different stories? It has the, quote, facts in it. It has the, quote, science that you want the journalist to use. Basically, what it is, is it's a pre-written article, and it's written by vested interests. And the vast majority of journalists are rushing from one deadline to another, especially when you're on staff somewhere. They are not taking the time to actually look at the scientific literature, even the literature that they're writing about or quoting. They don't even take the time sometimes to read the abstract. What they're reading is that literature through the lens of the pharmaceutical companies. And years ago, I was in touch with many different, I mean, I still am in touch with many different families whose children have had really serious adverse reactions to one or a combination of vaccines, right? Um, mm. And one family in particular, the it was a very, a very, very high level profile family. And this family, the their their son was severely vaccine injured. So the mom had been working and educating herself. It took a long time for her to figure out what was going on. And the dad worked in in a huge um, uh, marketing and public relations firm. The one thing that he said is that he would not work on any pharmaceutical industry accounts, but he was doing the, you know, this is one of the biggest firms, the most respected and the most expensive. And he would have conversations all the time with his boss that, this was back when things were being done in person. <laughs> and one day he was looking at the accounts on the other side of the desk. And it was a, it was a, one of the big pharmaceutical accounts for $900,000. So that was one year. And I'm talking about something about 10 or 15 years ago. Sorry, it was about 10 years ago. So one pharmaceutical industry, this is just one company was paying his firm almost $1 million to get the word out. And they're doing it so incredibly successfully. I mean, you see things and you parrot them when you say these words, quote, vaccines are safe and effective. That's an absolutely ridiculous thing to say because not all vaccines are safe. Not all vaccines are effective. There's no such thing as vaccines. We have to look at that on a vaccine by vaccine basis. But when you say those words and you see them parroted, vaccines are safe and effective, you are literally speaking a pharmaceutical talking point that was generated in a meeting with other, with many, many brilliant people. And the same thing now that's happening, Mr. Nerd, (laughs) is that now you're saying that when you're saying, Oh, it's only unvaccinated people who are dying. I mean, you've heard that now over yeah. and over. And I, the, the, the mom who came to my door yesterday in tears was like, who wants to protect her, you know, almost 80 year old mother. And, you know, she was like, it, everybody's hearing that they're hearing, oh my God, it's the unvaccinated are dying. Well, that is so untrue. It boggles my mind. And it's, but it's an unbelievably effective talking point. If your goal is to make people take a for-profit liability-free vaccine, it works so well that people are just believing it and doing it. And this is not journalism. This is 
manipulation. It's mind manipulation. So none of that is conspiracy theory. All of this is verifiable information that we can fact check. And indeed, when we fact check it, we're going to have a big fall from grace if some of the people who are listening have been believing the narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, I think even more dangerous than that, the verbiage, your vaccine protects me, mine protects you, your mask protects me and mine protects you. It makes no goddamn sense. Vaccines in my, in in my idiotic Stuff like you're the expert, so I'm going to defer to you on this question. Just me being an idiot, I always thought that if I took a vaccine, it protected me from that, not you from me. I, I just, it just doesn't make any sense that people are buying this shit. What, what is going on with that? Yeah, well, it's insane. So let's just pretend for a minute that the vaccines are really safe and effective and that they're very, they're working. Let's pretend that the vaccines are like a seatbelt, that they have absolutely no ill effects and that they're safe and they're effective. What you're saying is that if I'm driving my car without wearing my seatbelt, but you're in your car with your seatbelt, you will die. Perfect analogy. In your car with your seatbelt, you are going to die. And, you know, that's absolutely absurd. This has nothing to do with me being an expert or you not being an expert. It just has basic, yeah, common sense. So what's really, so let's talk about what's really going on. What's really going on is that these mRNA vaccines are, we're seeing time and time again, that they are probably the most dangerous vaccine that's ever been created in the history of modern medicine. And we're seeing people are having unbelievably difficult adverse reactions. So the same week that the newspapers in my local area were talking about how it's the unvaccinated who are in the hospitals, the unvaccinated who are having serious concerns from COVID, I was literally in the hospital on the COVID ward. And I was there with a friend who was being counted as an unvaccinated COVID case. And this friend did not have COVID and was not hospitalized for COVID. They were hospitalized for a severe reaction to a surgery that they had had a few weeks before. And the nurse comes in on the ward and she's literally wearing the two masks and she's got a, she's got a helmet on her head with a plastic over it where it it vents out. It's actually battery powered and it's a circulating system and it's venting out her ears. So she can't hear anything. So you have to kind of shout in her ear. And I said to her, well, I don't understand. Uh, Haven't you been vaccinated? And she said, well, of course I've been vaccinated. And and she said, and I said, well, then why are you so worried? Because she was very concerned about whether I should be in the room without, you know, the whole PPE, the personal protective equipment on and whether I had been vaccinated, whether why I wasn't wearing two masks. And, and I said, but you've been vaccinated. So what's the concern? And she said to me, I quote, two thirds of my patients have been vaccinated. So she was talking about patients severely ill with COVID, two thirds of which have been vaccinated the same week that the pharmaceutical industry did such a good job starting the narrative of pressing these press releases out to say that only the unvaccinated are being hospitalized and dying. And this nurse is saying to me, I wasn't worried before, but I am worried now. And I said, why? And she said, because two thirds of my patients have been fully vaccinated. So it's insane because the great doc, the great Dr. Fauci, Lord Fauci, the only person you're allowed to listen to on this topic here, came out on TV the other day and surprisingly CNN asked this question. It was, uh, I think it was George Stephanopoulos was like, hey, so about this whole natural immunity thing, why do they have to get vaccinated? He goes, well, you know what? I don't know. He flat out said, I don't know. So we've been listening to the guy who doesn't know about the one thing that we've known is proven 
over hundreds and hundreds of years of, of, of research of natural immunity is better than anything. I mean, that's our God given, and I'm not a God believer. So I just use that in, in jest. It's our God given defense against any sickness. Why can't we talk about natural immunity? It's, 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 it's insane. The whole desperation of getting people vaccinated. I cannot wrap my head around. Well, the problem is so COVID recovered people do not need to ever get vaccinated. In fact, we know that it's going to cause and is causing more harm than good. If you have recovered from COVID and then you get a vaccine, you're basically inducing an autoimmune response. You are creating a problem in your own body that you are then going to have to live with for the rest of your life. And the person to defer to this is on is who actually is an expert, who's actually a practicing doctor. Remember, Dr. Fauci is not practicing medicine. He is a politician. He is not a doctor. I'm not sure he's taking any time to read anything, to be honest. I think he's just doing what he is told to do. And but the person to defer to is the is the cardiologist and the immunologist named Peter McCullough. And I'm sure that your listeners are familiar with his work. Yeah. And he is very clear about this. And let me talk about Peter McCullough for a minute. Peter McCullough has never, ever questioned any vaccine. He has always been someone who went with the CDC. He's extremely well published. He's done, you know, dozens, if not over a hundred, I don't remember the exact number of peer-reviewed original scientific research himself. He's one of the most well-respected cardiologists in the country, if not in the world. And he started looking into this because he smelled a rat and he didn't know what was going on. And the more he looked into it, the more shocked he became and the more concerned he became. And the more he realized that the narrative that we are being given by Dr. Fauci and our public health official officials is absolutely incorrect. And you would never tell someone who got chicken pox to then go get a chicken pox vaccine. You would mm -hmm. never tell someone who had the measles to go get a measles vaccine. That's a, that's a very dangerous thing to do. And you're actually kind of ensuring poor outcomes in those cases. So why in the same season with the same variants, would you ever consider saying to somebody, you got COVID, you have natural immunity? We know, as you said, natural immunity is always better then acquired immunity. And, and then you should go ahead and get the shot. There's only one reason to make that recommendation. And that is to make more money because that's all it's going to do. It's not going to make you well. It's going mm -hmm. to make you sick. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because the things that we're saying right now, people will call us anti-vax. Now I have two girls. I have a wife and I think, and, and myself, obviously, we're all fully vaccinated of everything you could have possibly gotten vaccinated for, but not this one. And I refuse to touch this one. There's something about the fact that these people have had lotteries. I mean, you got Gavin Newsom out in California looking like goddamn Pat Sajak spinning the wheel, giving people money to get vaccinated. It is absolute insane. Not just money, trips. a million dollars yeah. in our state. We have, you get, you know, they gave what, seven people, $1 million for getting vaccinated. But I think that you should go, you should do it nerd for the Krispy Kreme because you can not only, first they offered one free donut a day if you show them your vaccine card, but now you can get two. <laughs> well, my goodness, you know, I, I would be tempted for the pot because they were giving away joints too. So they're giving away joints, they're giving away beer, hot dogs, like what the heck is, I mean, never in a million years have I seen such desperation. I mean, I was in middle school a very long time ago. I'm dating myself now. And I remember this kid, he came up to me and he goes, Hey, have a, here, have a drag of a cigarette. I'm like, no, I don't want it. God, come on. It's cool. It's cool. It's like peer pressure. That's what I feel like we're getting now. It's absolute peer pressure. And now they've gotten to the point where they're, where they're, you know, the, the whole, what, what's the line they're saying now? Oh, uh, we're not going to dangle the carrot. We're going to hit them with the stick now. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's actually incredibly disturbing the way that they're trying to create a two tiered society. The thing is, if this vaccine were working, and if it weren't causing the kind of harm that it is causing, nobody would have to be bribed into doing it. What you're talking about is they, they call it incentivizing, but what it is, is it's bribery. And then when that didn't work, because it, you know, there are still 80 million people who haven't lost their minds who are saying, no, thank you. We want to wait and see. We want to make sure this is safe and we feel more confident about our own immune system and about the possible treatment options than we do about trying an experimental liability-free technology. So when the incentivizing, aka the bribery, didn't work, then they decided that they were going to browbeat and force and mandate. So basically you lose your job or you get put on leave without pay you're told you can no longer attend the college of your choice. You know, we're making it. And then you're not allowed to go to the baseball game. You have to sit in the special section or you're just simply not invited. I mean, this harkens back to some of the darkest moments in the history of the United States. And Absolutely. I think everyone should be concerned. Especially when you look at the separation. And I just want to rewind a little bit to the beginning of the pandemic. You had a lot of things happening. You had a lot of confusion. A lot of people didn't know what the heck was going on. So the first two weeks, I was like, all right, well, maybe I just want to sit and play this thing out. After the first week, I was like, no, there's something weird going on here. And you can go back, people, new listeners to the podcast, go back and listen to what, uh, March 2020 to the podcast. I was on record saying there's something weird going on, something fishy. I don't believe it. And then you see, you know, the whole George Floyd thing that happened. And, you know, you, you can riot for George Floyd and you can burn down, you know, uh, towns and whatnot. You, you can blow things up, but you can't have a peaceful protest saying, hey, you know, we want to get back to work. And it just makes me think that there's something more to this. And with the coercion and, and, and all the bribery, you can win a million dollars, you get this vaccine. It makes me wonder, and this is where the new conspiracy theorist inside of me is wondering, is there something in this mRNA vaccine that's going to get us in the future? People that have taken us, is there, is there something that's going to happen? That's where my mind is going. And that's what I'm afraid of. Uh, because there was a whole bunch of talk about depopulization and Bill Gates was a part of that. And he's on record saying he, you know, we could probably do with about 140 million less people on the planet or some crazy number he said. What do you think? Yeah. So I, so, you know, I, I think it's easy to go there and I don't, I don't have the evidence. So what I mean is I'm open-minded that there could be a bigger agenda. I actually think that people have just become hysterical, that there's a mass hysteria, that we have this mob psychology and that people are truly afraid that they're going to die. And they truly believe that the same big pharma, big tech, you know, company, big medicine you know, um, industrial complexes that brought us the opioid epidemic that, you know, that gave us all sorts of drugs that haven't worked that told pregnant women, this, this is probably before both of our time, but told pregnant women that they should take a drug called diethylstabestrol DES, because it would make a healthy pregnancy healthier. And it turns out that it actually was causing not only abortion, it was supposed to prevent miscarriage, It was not only causing that, but depending on the timing of when the mom took it, it was causing an unbelievably aggressive cancer of the ovaries, um, basically ovarian vaginal cervical cancer, and then problems with male reproduction. And you wouldn't see those effects until 15 years later. The same industrial complexes that have brought us this all of a sudden are the saints and the gods and people are crying with joy, weeping, Mm. you know, with gratitude 
because big pharma has saved them. And so I don't think that there is a, a more nefarious agenda. And I, and I, but I am absolutely open to potentially being wrong. I don't think that the people who are pushing this really want to depopulate the planet. I think they truly believe because they have been brainwashed by big pharma and because we're in a moment of mass hysterical consensus that what they're saying is good. And I'll tell you, let me tell you one little anecdote that maybe sure. can help put this in perspective. So so I have always been a champion of health freedom. I I believe, I don't know if you agree with me, that your health decisions should be made in private in the privacy of a doctor's office or your really? healthcare provider's office. Absolutely. And that and that it's not appropriate for the state legislature. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, anything. It's not appropriate for the state legislature to decide when and how you, for example, vaccinate your kids or do anything else in your personal medical life. And so I've always been a champion for that, for health freedom. Um, and there are people on the other side who have said, oh, no, we've got to force everyone. I mean, you did it. You, 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 you and your wife and your kids have all gotten every single vaccine. And so there are people who are saying, well, we can't allow freedom because the people who don't listen, they might not do it. And so we've got to force it. We've got to force it. And I got a phone call from a doctor really recently who was literally crying on the phone to me. And this doctor said to me, she said, I denounced you. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, she said, I'm so embarrassed and I'm so sorry. And she said, but I had patients who asked me to speak out against medical freedom. And she wasn't thinking of it as medical freedom. And she said, I, and I did that. And she said, I wrote a letter asking the state legislature to take away vaccine choice. And I said to her, but you, and I know this person and one of the most caring, kindest you know, healers. And she went into medicine as many people do, honestly, nerd. So many people who become doctors, they go into medicine because they care deeply. I mean, I'm sure that you've had some good relationships with the doctors who care for your kids, right? Or who care for you. I mean, most of them, they love the, you know, the perks. They love the fancy cars. They love the, you know, the salary. They love the respect. It's not that they don't want that stuff, but they're there because they want to heal. And I said, and literally the doctor is crying and crying. And I said, you know, you were just doing what you thought was right. She literally believed that she was saving lives by telling me that I had to do a hepatitis B vaccine for my infant who has no possibility of catching this sexually transmitted disease. And it wasn't, she wasn't looking, she wasn't reading, she wasn't learning. And once she did start looking, reading and learning, she realized that she had made a big mistake. So I'm telling you that story because I want to believe the best in people. And I don't want to believe that there's a bigger agenda. And like I said earlier, I, I'm not, it's not that if you show me evidence that there really is, I will, I'm always open to changing my mind based on new evidence and new information. Same. Even if it totally destroys what I think is true, because I understand it's that it's going back to the fish swimming in the ocean, the mm. quote science that we think is correct today, we might find out in two weeks in two months in two years or in 200 years that we were actually totally wrong and totally misled. So we have to try to look at all of this with as open a mind as possible. I do the eye test and just the other day, AOC went to the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She went to the Met Gala. And you can see the pictures online. She was wearing a dress that said, tax the rich. And, and that one's viral. It's all over the internet, right? And my thing that I notice in my weird conspiratorial mind now, because I'm a conspiracy theorist now, right? And now I'm anti-vax, as they would call me. 
was she's not wearing a mask. And none of the big high rollers that with the $30,000 plates are wearing a mask, but all the servants are wearing a mask. And everyone's vaccinated. But why do they have to wear the mask? But the rich people don't. And then you hear about Australia. They're talking about the Great Reset. They even flat out said the Great Reset on TV, which blew me away that they admitted it on, on TV. And that's what I think they're doing here. I think they really want to create two separate classes. And I, I hate to think of life that way. So, and that's what has been happening all along. So we know, for example, and boy, did I talk about getting in hot water, like you stay anonymous, but I'm not mon- anonymous. Anyone who's listening, my name is Jennifer Margulis, M-A-R-G-U-L-I-S. You can find me at jennifermargulis.net. And I mean, I just, I speak out and I, you can look at my credentials and you can look at my research and you can look at the articles that I've written. And I, I invite that because I, I want to be, you know, as open and honest and ethical as possible. But, mm. uh, it, but, but there has been this double standard and we've seen it with almost every politician. And what I was going to say was that I got into such hot water because I was criticizing the mayor of Chicago because the mayor of Chicago went and got her haircut with no masks and no social distancing when she was telling everybody to God damn it, stay home. Don't talk to people. Don't touch people. And we've seen that time and time again. And because she's African-American, it was considered, I was absolutely bombarded with how can you be so racist and how dare you criticize? And it's not, it's don't get me wrong. Everyone should be able to get a haircut. But the thing is when you're telling Gavin Newsom did this and I mean, everybody, Nancy Pelosi, literally the entire, all it's the elite class of the so-called lawmakers in our government that they have two sets of standards. The one for the servants or one for the little man, little woman, little person. um, And then one for them. And it's, we see this time and again, and that is so wrong on so many levels. And, much of what happens in America that goes wrong is because of these systemic inequities. And that really does feel evil to me. It's not only disappointing, it's, it's actually so un-American. It boggles my mind. Lori Lightfoot. She said she had to get her hair done because she had to look good. And every time I look at her, do you ever see the movie Beetlejuice? (laughs) You ever see Beetlejuice with Michael Keaton? You got to check that movie. All right. I will. If you haven't seen Beetlejuice, you got it. It's like a classic movie. She looks just like the main character, like a ghoul came back from the dead. I hate Lori Lightfoot. I, I, I just can't stand any of these people anymore. But I do got to ask and you this. Because, because, like, I want her to look good, too. And and so what she should do is she should say, hey, you know, you are a sovereign human and you are a citizen of the United States or yeah. or you're here in this free country, the home of the free and the land of the brave. If you want to go and get your haircut, you go get your haircut. If you don't, you don't. You can't sit there pointing fingers and saying, exactly. stay home. I mean, our our state, I live in Oregon, Um you can you can insert the 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 feeling of sympathy noise right now um but in our state our governor said stay home save lives and she did a whole campaign where if you were driving down the highway it said have you killed someone today so like your very presence and you know two weeks okay let's try this for two weeks let's see what's going on let's get a handle on what's happening with this viral spread etc two weeks has extended to a year and a half and we're still being told that we are literally gonna kill our loved ones and kill our elderly if we if we hug them if we smile at them I mean I had a situation I play I play walking soccer with older adults and 
early on, I mean, a, a while ago, it wasn't actually that early on when people were all masking up, I was wearing a face shield because I can't wear a mask. And there's many reasons for that. I just absolutely can't stand them. I don't think if you're exercising outside and by the way, walking soccer is a no contact sport. So I go to my walking soccer and I've got on a face shield, right? And this woman comes up to me afterwards and she was very, you know, sweet. And she said, I just didn't know if I should say something, but I was sure would feel so much more comfortable if, if you would wear a mask. And I said, well, I am, I'm wearing a face shield. So, and we're, you know, just, she actually came up kind of in my face. I have to say, they always do tell me that I needed to wear a mask. And, and I said, but I'm wearing a shield. And she said to me, but I can see your face. Oh God. Yeah. And that's what it's come to. And that's what we're teaching our children. We're teaching our children that seeing another human's face, being able to read their expressions is somehow going to make them sick and make them die. I mean, there are also, you know, I remember reading about a little toddler who dropped his mask and his dad said, it's okay, it's okay. And, and he just burst into tears crying. No, no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And we literally are teaching two-year-olds that they will die if they, if someone else, if they have the ability to breathe and if someone can see their face and actually enjoy being with them. I mean, that is psychotic. It's pathological. And that's why I say we're in a moment of mass hysteria and history is not going to look favorably no. back at the moment. There was a video I just saw the other day. It was on TikTok. And uh, there was a woman, she was holding her toddler screaming and crying as she's holding this face mask on this baby while everyone's chastising the baby for not having a mask. So I retweeted it and I said, well, you know what? This baby is a jerk. We should throw this baby in prison forever because this baby just, just wants to breathe oxygen. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It really I love is. I that you did it that way because that's the way to do it. I love the smart. Very sarcastic. I mean, that's the only way. And, you know, the fact that we have now over 675 thousand reported adverse events that is cdc data so that's data from the centers for disease control and prevention 675,000 over that amount i don't think you should take a look at that i would definitely not be concerned about that those 14,000 deaths that happened within a few hours or a few days or you know or maybe within a month of the vaccine 14,000 deaths absolutely nothing to worry about just move on get your vaccine get your boosters and shut up Exactly. And myocarditis and, and high school athletes. This kid was a was like a high school quarterback doing great. He went and got the vaccine thing and he was doing his civic duty, keeping everyone safe. What happens to him? He can't play anymore because he had a heart attack. So he's done. Yeah. And, and so there's no, there's no mild in myocarditis is the, no. is the name of an article that I wrote for the Epic Times. Um, your listeners can look it up. There is no mild in myocarditis. And now we have data. I mean, we had these anecdotes and we had a shocking number of reports of, of, of inflammation. That's what myocarditis is. It's inflammation of the heart. But now we actually have data. And I think what it is, you'll have to check because it came out in the, in the, in the, um, in the newspapers in the UK, but it was based on data in the United States. I think a, a teenage boy is six times more likely to get myocarditis from the vaccine than they are from getting COVID. And, you know, it's legitimate to say, well, some of these adverse effects, well, you know, we would get them also from the virus. I mean, that is an accurate, you know, that's a, that's a legitimate thing to talk about. So then you have to look at it. And now we know that you are much more likely, much more likely to actually get an irreversible heart inflammation and a heart and have a heart event if you are a teenage boy for something that we know in the vast majority of cases, if you get COVID as a as a, as a child or as a teen, you have, you know, your recovery rate is over 99.9%. I mean, it's just unbelievable that we would even suggest it. But now Pfizer has announced, you probably saw this, um, oh, yeah. 
that they, in October, that they are planning to get approval for the vaccine for ages five to 11. So now we can give it, we can put a needle in at the arm of every five-year-old because it wasn't enough to give it to the 12-year-olds, which they are not doing in Europe, which the World Health Organization has not recommended, but we're doing it in America despite the unbelievably devastating consequences to so many more people than should be happening. That wasn't enough. So now we're going to go for the five to 11 year olds too. And then I hope that they'll get the babies after that. And of course they're pushing it on every pregnant woman because we have so much good high quality information to show that not only is it safe for the pregnant women, but it's also safe for their offspring five years from now. We know for sure, even though none has ever survived and we don't know that at all, but you know, nothing to see here. Just please don't pay any attention. I got one more thing to ask you here because this is very important to me. And I just want to say like conversations like this need to happen more often, but they're not allowed to happen. And I know that you recently gotten, you recently got spanked by Mark Zuckerberg. Basically you got in trouble. You're in Facebook jail right now. Why can't you express your concerns? You have the credentials, you have the experience, you have the knowledge. Why can't you talk? Why do we have to only listen to the people they tell us to listen to? Well, isn't that interesting? You know, history has never, ever been on the side of censorship or censored information. And it goes back when you were saying that you're being now accused of being an anti-vaxxer, you know, and even though, I mean, I can show you the vials of the vaccines that a doctor will give in their office, but if the doctor says one thing outside of the narrative, then they're considered an anti-vaxxer. So why would we be censoring? Why would we be bullying? Why would we be name-calling? All of that Just all we have to do is take a little look, take a walk through history, and we have the answer. The answer is because obviously they know that they're wrong. And if you can fight, I mean, let's argue, let's discuss, let's have an intellectual debate, let's debate the science any day, any night, let's do that. And But if you cannot have an open and honest dialogue about, about a subject, that is no longer scientific, that is religion. So this is the religion people are praying to the altar of the pharmaceutical industry, they believe that the savior, our Lord Jesus Christ is in a vial. It's a, it's a a syringe, forgive me. Well, a vial that you take the syringe, you put in the vial and you pull out the liquid and you cannot question that that is the Holy spirit. It cannot be questioned. And I mean, you have to look no farther than the censorship to realize that something is completely amiss. What do you think? Is that, it sounds pretty accurate to me. And if I had to guess, I think there's something nefarious going on. I really think that there's something going on here. I mean, too many things just don't add up. Nothing makes sense. And the fact that they have half the population buying into this crap makes me think we're we're in this for the long haul. I mean, people are influenced by what they see on TV. And I think people need education. They need to see Fox News. They need to see CNN. They need to get all sorts of spectrums. Listen to shows like this. Go to websites like yours. Listen to people talk. That's what we need more of. People are too close-minded. They, they, they stick their feet in the sand and they're like, I'm not moving. This is, this is my stance. I'm going to die on this hill. And it's great that you came on the show just to tell your experience because people need to hear this. You know what's actually incredible is that, I mean, what I was actually jailed for, the slap on the wrist that I got from Mark Zuckerberg was from, I was quoting a doctor named Joshua Domko. You can look him up, D-O-M. PKO. He's a a highly, you know, he's one of the heroes. He's a highly skilled emergency room doctor who's been working in medicine for over 20 years. He, again, said what he wrote on Facebook, which I, which I shared, and I have a, I have a very big following on Facebook. I shared it. And what he wrote was, he said, 
you know, I have done every vaccine on the schedule always. And I'm also, I had COVID. I had, you know, confirmed cases of COVID. I think he got it twice actually. And he said, I've done a risk benefit analysis and I know that it would be more harmful for me to get the shot. So this is the one time in my life that I'm not getting the shot. He said, I'm a hundred percent pro vaccine and I always have been. That's what got me put in jail. That I quote, I didn't change anything. I quoted the words of a verified, and I've spoke, I've interviewed him, I've spoken to him on the phone, of a of a of an emergency room doctor, and I quoted his experience, and he literally said those words: "I'm pro vaccine. I've never been anti vax." And Facebook decided to delete me. I don't know if it's algorithm or what it is that they choose to basically delete people off of. I I, I just I just don't know. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Just really quick here. Let's fast forward two years. Do you see us still in this trap or do you see us moving out of it? Because 2022, I'm hoping for a red wave. I'm hoping for the Republicans to knock these idiots out of office and let's get the adults back in the room, as these idiots were saying that they were going to do when they took over. You know, the amazing thing is that there have been people who have been enjoying their lives, who have been, you know, seeing their families, who have been maskless, who have not ever shut themselves down, who have been making love to their spouses or their, you know, significant others and who have not been in a plastic bubble. And right there, you just said, and most of them are people who live in red states and I know that in two years, we're going to be over this. I am not a gloom and doom person. I have, I always want the ha- the glass to be half full and we are going to get out of this. I mean, there is some bad things have been happening and, I, and there is probably going to be a lot more people dying. The excess deaths are going to come from the people who have blindly followed the narrative. Unfortunately, that's what I predict. I don't want to be right about that. But I think that we we are experiencing, we may well be experiencing some kind of depopulation event. The good news is that if you're if you're red leaning, <laughs> um, and I and I'm a kind of an a la carte person, I take some from each side. But if you're red leaning, I think you can rest happy because um, it's it has been more of the Republicans who have said, "Wait a second, something isn't going right." And I predict that those are the people who are not only are going to win these upcoming elections, but who are also going to be healthier and happier and whose families are going to thrive and they are thriving. And it's also, you said you weren't religious, but people who are very uh, religious minded, who are Christian or who really follow some of the Orthodox Jews who really follow God and know that, you know, your health is also a God given thing. They also haven't stopped their lives and they're not planning to. And I think they're doing really well. So that's my prediction. You know what? Your prediction is amazing. And I am on board with it. Jennifer, can you please tell us, tell the people out there where they can find you, where they can see everything, all the content that you have. Yeah. So jennifermargulis.net. It's www.jennifermargulis.net. And you can sign up there for my newsletter, or you can go to www.censorshipfreezone.net. If you want to get on my newsletter, I send one newsletter a week, and I've got a wealth of information on my website, including an excellent article that was actually ghosted by doctors who were being um, who were being told that they would sh- their practices would be shut down or they would get these enormous fines. Um, but it's called natural treatments for coronavirus that actually work. You will not find it if you try through Google. But if you fi- if you if you Google if you search those words in DuckDuckGo or you just go directly to my website, you'll see natural treatments for coronavirus that actually work, which is a wonderful, so helpful article. And the doctors who who ghosted that 
piece um, who need to remain anonymous so they can keep their licenses have been using that protocol with incredible success. So the good news is coronavirus is totally treatable. We can't outrun it. We can't outmask it and we can't outvaccinate it, but we absolutely can survive it. Absolutely. And just one last thing just popped in my head real quick. It's funny that Pfizer is creating a COVID pill that closely resembles ivermectin. Go figure. Jennifer, I appreciate you coming on the show. You're amazing. I wish we had hours and hours of talk, but I know you're a very busy lady, and I appreciate you giving me the time that you could afford today. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you.